started and then whatever. What do you want to start? Okay. So do you want to do an intro? Yeah. What 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 is the name though? Should we have the discussing our name be the first topic of our podcast? Yeah, we can just be like we are fucking bored and we are bored. And well, also there's a lot of interesting stuff that we want to talk about. Yeah, like we've only been talking this past few weeks, so I guess we wanted to get it down on a podcast and we've mm-hmm. had a lot of inspiration from um Joe Rogan especially and uh Ethan Klein. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. We'll see where this this takes us. I feel like regardless of the outcome, even just talking right now, it's benefiting both of us. Yeah, our goal was more of just, we just wanted to talk and discuss things so we can have it almost written in stone, I guess. Because we talk about, man, we've been talking about some of these ideas for like years. Yeah, But like we just never, like every time we come together for holidays, every Christmas, man, you know the topics that come of technology, innovation, automation, God, like all those stuff. It's always stimulating. Yeah. So we just wanted to keep it down and try to make it a weekly thing so we can keep in touch and Reflect. also see how it would be cool to see like in a year how of our thoughts have grown. Of, That's like, true too. Yeah. And a year later yeah. we touch back on the topics that we talked about in the first yeah. week. See like what happens. Yeah. So then what's, what's Anthony, what's your ideas on some names? What did you think of the names that I have? What were, you, were they again? So the three names that I have in my order of how much I like is placeholder name podcast we know nothing podcast or i'm confused about everything podcast see i like the idea of the third one but it's kind of long it's long i was thinking open minds or open-minded only because that's like essentially a paradox because if you're saying open-minded only then you're not only is not open-minded yeah exactly exclusive yeah but i don't know that that that's a different i don't know it's not i like that too it doesn't have a different oh if we went with I like open-minded only, but the thing is, like, there's only a limit of how open our minds, because, like, you know, we're only interested in, like, a limited amount of stuff, like technology and, mm. like, religion, the universe, blah, blah, blah. Those are, like, our scope, but, like, we need, we would need some guests to definitely yeah, bring in sure. counterpoints, because, yeah. like, if we bring a guest that agrees with us, then that's there's not no point. really point following the open-mind only kind yeah. of thing, because, like, we're not having an open mind. It's just, like, someone <laughs> talking to you yeah. about, like, whatever. So, I, that's an interesting one, though. That kind yeah. of grasp what we're about. Just, like, anything's possible, honestly, yeah. is what my philosophy is. I don't know. Like, exactly. I, I don't know. We, like, we can... I, yeah. After we, we talk this one out and... But are we open-minded? Could I ask you a question about... Are you open-minded about thinking that... Um, that everything that we are now are, is in such a far-drawn simulation that, like, we'll, yeah. we'll never... Okay, okay. So let me think. What's what's an outrageous idea that I know that you wouldn't agree with? Okay, or wouldn't yeah. be open minded to that. That like okay. Um, oh, I got it. Adam and Eve. Okay. Are you open minded to believe that humans, a male, was snapped into the earth, uh-huh. and a female was taken from his rib, or whatever the story yeah. is, whatever religion, and evolution is not true. Evo- uh, okay. Uh, or what about the philosophy of the universe being created in seven days? <laughs> I thought we or were, I thought we were talking about religion. Days. We're not talking about religion. This is just a this topic. Is like, of... You literally just asked me Genesis. <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, I'm, I'm prodding you to see. Okay, no, I, I, I do have an open mind because I spent this past semester um, with some of the best friends that I had in College Station doing Bible study. 
every Monday and Wednesday morning, fucking before like class. And I, I, I did it because I wanted to get an idea of where they were coming from and why they believe the Bible in a literal sense. Like mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. if I were to become Christian again, I would not believe it in a literal sense. It would believe like it in a you have to interpret parables. It. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. it's all stories and like mm-hmm. through the years of translations and everything, then shit got lost. But yeah. I, I'm open to Christianity and, and going back okay, okay. to that. But I did not know that. I read something about what scholarship really is. And like, it was saying that books hold knowledge and intelligence, but scholarship is taking those books and interpreting them mm-hmm. to how they are. Cause okay. history books may be fact, maybe some fabricated, but it's, the author is writing it for the reader to interpret, yeah. right? So that's kind of how I think of the Bible. And that's mm-hmm. what a lot of now modern movements of religion, and not we're not really going to talk about religion, but like when people say the seven-day creation thing, they think that the days are not in a literal sense of like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whatever. Like it wasn't seven days and God made it, but it could have been a day, could have been a millennia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how Vincent it's, it's like believes an, it's it. It's like yeah. an interpretive, mm-hmm. like, you know... Same with like a lot of different things about, well, it's kind of touching into religion if we go into this, but <laughs> I know, mean, you brought it up. I did bring it up and you know, just go where it takes us, but whatever. All right. Welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> okay. I have some questions, Anthony, for you. I thought these up last night. So, um, I know that you've told me that you really love interviews. You love the process of going to a job interview, preparing for it, whatever, things like that. So first... I kind of wanted to ask you, like, what about interviews do you like? When did you first realize that you started enjoying interviews? You know, was it the process of studying for it? Was it, you know, did you experience a successful interview and then that made you feel good or whatever? Just your whole thoughts on, like, that that idea. Ooh, okay. Yeah, so, um, honestly, this all started my freshman year of uh, college, and I fucking hated interviews. Well, I didn't really hate them, but, like, I didn't, all the organizations that I applied to freshman year, first semester, I didn't get into. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like That had interviews. They, they had interviews. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't realize how much of a, like, like game, honestly, or like process it was of just like, um, knowing how to sell yourself and understanding that things aren't going to be easy. Because honestly, like, all my life, I usually got what I wanted. And I didn't really have to try whenever I wanted to do something. Like, it was, a lot of the times, like, I spent, like... Uh, doing athletics and everything and I was, I'm just like I love it and I'm like I'm passionate about it but I never thought like how much of a process that interviewing was um, until college and then uh, after I took a lot of L's doing interviews freshman year sophomore year I decided to like fill up my time and get experience through a part-time job and I did IT um, on campus and I how was the interview for that job dude see I went in since I like I already fucked up so much, I went in like thinking I'm not gonna like get this and like you're coming pessimistic. You're like yeah, nothing else. Yeah, I wasn't cocky at all. Like I was just myself and like I did preparation for it. Like I I looked up like the on like Monster.com like the basic ass interview questions and I like I he asked me like strengths and weaknesses and before like I would have just spit out words and were had, you prepared for it? like. I would say so because not in the sense that I would want to be now looking back on it, but like I was definitely prepared for it. And that's why I like was, I guess, 
confident about it, but I wasn't like expecting anything about it because I knew that even if like I could be this prepared, it I still it it's still not up to me. It's out of my control. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I just remember like once I was interviewing with uh, my uh, ex boss. I'm not working there anymore, but he we got to the point where we were talking about family and um, we we're just laughing. And then once I realized like. I was driving the question or like the conversation, uh, like the interview into a conversation. That's when I found how much I liked that. And I enjoyed bringing down like the interviewer to like the level where I'm I'm at and making it more of a conversation and seeing whether or not I could have like a different kind of relationship, like as as if it was like a friend. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like once you were able to take the interviewer and separate like the boundary of like, he's like the boss and I'm someone that's trying to get something from him to change it to like a conversation of two equals of just two people just talking. Yeah. And like, even though the questions seem grilling, it's really just, he's trying to get to know you more. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And like, the thing is, there's a lot of interviewers that ask, so do you have any more questions at the end? But like, Mm, that's the best question. Yeah, exactly. That that's true too. But the thing is, whenever I'm getting interviewed, like my answers, I, I don't, I just, it just naturally happens. It comes to the point where I'm asking that them a question mm-hmm. about like their experience through something that they asked me about. So like, mm-hmm. I don't know, I can't do it now, but it just happens in the moment. I can't really like, it just comes up in natural conversation. Yeah. Like I try, I don't try, but like, it just happens to like turn into a conversation and of that's course, why of course, I yeah. enjoy. And honestly, like, like day to day interactions that I have with other people, it's always me. I feel like me wanting to get a greater understanding of what they're going through and um, just seeing how I can relate things to their life, to mine. And um, I just, it's, I guess it's a process that I practice uh, just every day. And I don't know, it's weird. So it's almost like you turn the interview from like, they're trying to get to know you to you trying to get to know if, if like you want to kind of become that person in the future, possibly in a sense of like, do I want to work in this work environment that mm-hmm. this person is describing? Do I want to have exactly. this ethic and output that this, this person is describing yeah. to me and stuff like that? Yeah, I think that's that's a um, really useful way, and it's it honestly makes the interviews so calming. It makes exactly it like, yeah. there's a lot of nerves. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people that say you know yeah. when they're going to interviews they're so nervous because of like oh man they're gonna be like grilling me and I'm, yeah. I don't know what they're gonna ask. But in my personal experience. The only nervousness that I experience um, in interviews is from nervousness of like if they're going to ask a question that I'm not prepared for. Yeah, exactly. Which means that it's a lack of my preparation yeah. that I'm nervous about. And you're just n- not as involved or like caring mm-hmm. for that. I don't know. Like, that's, yeah, I completely agree with that. Because um, going into my Walmart e-commerce um, interview, I was so nervous about the broad range of just like case study questions that they ask because you know like i do really love case study questions because like you are able to interact with a person in like kind of a base level of like you could say for like the walmart e-commerce one um i was like talking with the director of all sporting goods for the Mm -hmm. online at the store and there was just a general question um whatever and i was going into it and we started eventually talking about strategy i was talking about well if this product was you know something that <clears throat> is driving a lot of foot traffic then maybe i set the price at this and i do x y and z 
and then I was talking to him, but you know, like if it's a product that we have a really high margin on, we talk about yeah. like this, this, this. And so I was kind of drawing information about him. So I was like, yeah, well, and normally is this product, you know, a foot trafficker, whatever driver, or mm-hmm. is it a high margin thing? And then he was like, well, he started talking about his side and he was like, normally with products, blah, 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 blah. So they go into like detail about his own strategy. And then when I'm talking to him about that more, I'm almost like pulling away from the question and just us talking about general strategy. So I literally didn't even provide an answer to this. This is crazy. I don't even know how I got the job, but (laughs) I didn't even provide an answer to his question because we started talking and then we started going off about the strategies of like, of having products that bleed money, but drive traffic. And then I started giving these counterpoints about like, but where's the point that it stops that it's bleeding too much. And like, how do we set that? And then he started going about other things. And I literally pushed the conversation yeah. so far away that at the end of our time, he was like, oh, uh, uh, what's your answer? What's your price? And I was like, ah, well, whatever. I don't know. It depends. He's like, I don't have yeah. enough information. He's like, ah, whatever. You didn't buy it. He's like, that's a pass. And yeah, because like, <laughs> essentially they're looking for your thought process. Exactly. exactly. Like, they don't, like a, a right answer is what you expect at school. But I mean, and you would expect that at work, but like. For an interview, like they'll get more out of seeing the content of how you think and like mm-hmm. how you come to, I don't know, potentially a solution. But you don't yeah. have to have a an answer there, which is like great. That I respect that they don't they they that he didn't care that you didn't have an answer. That he was just like an, like analyzing how you yeah because he he was that. a cool and like relaxed guy and we like I was talking through price points, but the question wasn't worded enough that like it could give me an exact answer because I was like, well, I don't have the data on like the past of how this product is sold and like, Mm -hmm. you know, what the purpose of this product is. So we just talked through strategies. I was basically like, if, if it was like a, then I would go through and then we kind of discussed that. And I was like, well, if it was like B, then I would rediscuss that. Yeah. So it wasn't even like I provide an answer. I provided like multiple answers. Yeah. Yeah. He liked it. It's just like higher level of understanding, I guess. Yeah. It was cool. That was long-winded, but yeah. it was good. I, I enjoyed the interview process. Yeah, exactly. It was really fun. It's fun. So second, I have, um, what are some basic advice for people who find themselves still struggling uh-huh. with what we talked about, being nervous, not knowing to say, not being prepared, and not knowing how to present themselves, just like any general advice for people that struggle with like interviews? The biggest thing that, honestly, I can I highly recommend, like, you can re- prepare for all the questions and everything, but like the biggest thing that I did and that helped me the most was using like a voice recording software and reading the question that potentially they could ask me and then answering that and hearing how I answered that. And dude, like you realize like how much you could either ramble or just like completely mm-hmm, miss mm-hmm, mm-hmm. answering the question and just having the opportunity to record yourself and then replay that a million times like you start to like uh not be afraid of hearing yourself talk and be confident with how you're speaking and just be like very aware of it so yeah i think the biggest thing is just seriously just practicing it doing mock interviews um just reach out to anyone and they'll interview you can just look up basic basic uh have you heard of the um star method no so this is a method of inter- answering interview questions. Mm-hmm. So when I was going to Walmart, they gave me like a prep sheet of like practice the star method really? in your interviews because the point of the star method is it 
gives you a thorough question or answer, answer. but it's short. Yeah, the whole dude, point of it is to be short. That's a big because, thing for me. Yeah, yeah. The whole interview process from start to finish was only an hour and a half, 90 mm-hmm. minutes. Yeah. And there was three different parts. Yeah. And Damn, that's pretty short though. So they have to minutes, they have yeah. to really get a lot out of you. So the person I actually found it hard. I thought that my first part of the interview, which was the questions, I thought that I did the worst on. The second parts were a case study in Excel work. Those yeah. are fine. But the first part I thought was the worst because the person was rushing. Like yeah, we didn't dude, really have a sucks. time to like yeah. talk about like, oh, you know, how do you like the position? What is your stuff? Yeah. And he was just like, oh, sorry, like we got to keep going. And I was like, mm, that did not seem yeah. good. Because yeah. I didn't think that he like liked me because he wasn't even looking up. He was just like constantly typing my answers. Yeah, dude. Like it's, it, and there's just like a wall. Yeah, it's stressful it, because yeah, he's dude. just like, I don't know how I'm doing. I can't uh, read his things. Yeah. So the STAR method that uh-huh. they thought of is it's like an acronym or whatever it's first you say the situation the task the action and the result star situation is like if i say name a time you failed yeah and the situation is like okay you describe what i did oh well when i was you know blah 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 blah. the task is like what were you working for so you're saying like oh i was on the football team blah 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 describe the situation and i wanted to win the state championship yeah okay okay and the action is like how you, you did. did it yeah so he's like oh i worked hard we played games blah 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 blah, blah. Ooh, yeah that's and then nice. the result is like you have to say well then what happened and you're like well we stunk we only won two games and what you like, like learn from it and also what you learn yeah, from okay it. so the whole point of this method is one to keep your answers concise and to the point yeah, I, i'm pretty you sure know? i i'd answer yeah, questions like this. yeah exactly yeah. it's a common thing yeah but the, i think the most helpful thing that this method gives you is there they always say have a result section. Even if the question is like something that doesn't warrant an end of a story. Like, um, like what is a time in your past internships that you really enjoyed or something? Like what is your favorite part of this internship? Uh-huh. And that's not really a question about that you think that there's no star method. Yeah. Well, you, you kind of start like, well, I had this project. And oh, this, yeah, this, this, yeah, okay, okay. And I went about it like this. Mm-hmm. And the result was, it worked out well. I presented it to the things mm-hmm. and I liked it and I learned X, Y, and Z. So the whole like result section gives people like a meat to the story. Because if you say a generic, like what's your strength and weaknesses? Um, I'm positive. I think, I think when you're, if you're asked a question and you're, it kind of like stumps you like that. I think like, would you go backwards? From the star method of of trying to think like of You're an saying, answer, like if there's a question that you don't have a prepared answer yeah, for, yeah, yeah. Well, that's tough. You first have to because you said you need a result. Like, so. You would think of need to think of a story where it's like if you don't know. Okay, let's say one of the questions that I was worried about was name a time that you persuaded a group of people to change the way they thought. Mm-hmm. Like, what the heck? I'm 20 years old, 21 years old. I've never changed a group of people's thought, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So if they ask you that question, you have to think of something, obviously, quickly in general. Like, okay, when something... Oh, okay. I did a school project. And maybe I changed the way that how we want to present. Mm -hmm. Boom. There's your story. And then you have to kind of explain it. And it's also like, you know, take a 30 seconds, think for a second maybe, or... As you're telling the story slowly in your head, you, think ahead about you, you got to talk slow. That's the biggest talk, thing. Yeah, you be like, "Well, I did this school project." Yeah, 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 that's tough though. Yeah, so that was a little cool thing that they gave about the star method. We don't have to go on about that, but 
Yeah, so that was my questions about interviews. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you liked them. I was so surprised when you told me. Oh, really? Man, I love interviews. Ask me interview questions. I was like, really? Wow. I I, I'm just that. narcissistic too, so. Like, like talking about yourself. Yeah, but I also love hearing about, like, seeing someone that's passionate about something. I don't know. I just, I'm just social and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I don't like small talk. I like going in on, like, deep conversations. Yeah. Because that's how you get people engaged. Yeah. That's how you get people, <laughs> like... like the best question to ask, I always find, is like when they say, "Oh, do you have any questions?" Just ask them about what they do. People love talking about something they're doing and something they like doing. Yeah. Like, oh, well, how is you know your X, Y, and Z position been going? You know, like relate, like, what do you do on the day to day? What do you not like? What do you like about? It? And yeah. then people the just biggest talk. question yeah, is, is just like, talk about like what do you not like about your job? And yeah. Like, uh, there's there's like two or three recruiters that have actually told me like no one's asked me that. And like, or like, like actual technical roles and they're like, I have to think about this because they have to think like professionally, like, what can I say? Like, I can't be like, this fucker's People next like to, to complain. Yeah. yeah. Like to complain. So like, I'll they got to find, that. it's a question that they have to like figure out and like represent their company as still in a good way. But yeah, I, I highly recommend asking. It's interesting because they're not prepared to answer no. a negative question. Because yeah. if they say like, oh man, you know, my boss sucks. That's like, well, yeah. this guy's not going to want to join the yeah. team, you know? And like, you've been honest the entire time. So you expect them to be honest oh. about what they dislike about the damn job because like you're, yeah. you potentially might be in like their same shoes. So I have some funny answers from that. One of them ladies that I was interviewing with, I asked her, I don't know if I straight up asked her like, what do you not like? Yeah. And what do you like? And she was just like, we have too many damn meetings. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Okay, like, yeah. nobody could do work. Yeah. I really have meetings like the rest exactly. of the day. I'm like, Dude, damn. That's it's honestly tough. a problem. Yeah. It is a problem that I experienced too. But That's so interesting. All right. Do you want to move on to yeah. something else? Do you want to hit one of your topics or one of mine? Uh, Dude, mine are like... <laughs> oh, no, no. Actually, I have one for you. So hey, have, you, have you heard of China's new like silk road essentially mm, what is this so it sounds familiar so they're it's called the belt and road initiative and it's 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 like an infrastructure push or something yeah so it's it's like a it trillion to, dollar plant yeah it's a lot of economics dude Oof. like they're china's stupid rich and um like whenever i travel dude i see so many chinese people that are like there like chinese people are rich and there's so many of them are you saying in the States? Just everywhere. Yeah, in general. It's well, like, I mean, you're also seeing the people who are rich enough to travel. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. true, too. But, like, I don't know. We, I, th- I feel like us as a civil, civilization or, or country aren't as, like, we're going to get fucked by China soon. Yeah. Do you, we don't do have enough. We don't have enough drive. We're, like... We're so self-centered, right? Is that they, what it is? People describe... Um, American culture in a cyclical way of there's three different generations. There is the generation that had nothing, right? And they had to really, really struggle to work, mm-hmm. which was a lot of people say like, like World War One, like early 1900s, Great Depression, that mm-hmm. generation. Okay, think of your grandparents. Generation that had nothing and worked minimum wage, really, really, true, really yeah. bad jobs, yeah. okay? Their children grew up initially in that age of being middle age and being kind of low money, they end up working really hard and getting money to move up in class. Yeah, like to yeah, become yeah, yeah. Exactly. Better than, than their parents. Exactly. Way yeah. better than their parents. Yeah. Like our parents. And so now, their children now are the people who grown up into wealth. And so that us. they don't have an understanding of 
struggling and getting told no. <laughs> We're entitled. And stuff like that. So it's this cycle yeah. of, okay, so now these rich children aren't going to work and are going to slowly lose their money, lose their money, lose their money until their kids are born into a bottom, mm. lower, poor class. That's the idea of the cycle. That kind of makes, I can see that. Poor, yeah. medium wealth to wealthy, and then those wealthy people's kids yeah. slowly become the cycle going back down into when they're poor again, and the cycle goes again. Yeah. So it's like a circle. I this is totally a very, very general sense. And of course, like, there's rich families that will always be rich and, like, never be poor again. But that's kind of an idea of, yeah. like, what people think is going to happen. No, it makes sense. Because, like, I, sometimes I struggle with, like, where the fuck am I going with my life? Because mm-hmm. I know that my parents, are immigrants and they both like I wouldn't be here without them and they're both super successful and like we're a middle-class family like I have nothing to complain about so like where do I go from here and that's how I felt sometimes and then my grandfather he lived in London for like 30 years away from his entire family and he was a waiter there and he didn't even have to go there because all my aunts and uncles got scholarships (laughs) but like he was still like struggling away from his whole family in another like country and now i'm here like living the dream and i don't know what to do (laughs) yeah what what i interpret from that idea is about establishing adversity when you're young right so the people like the older generations who like went through like world war ii and stuff and like great depression like they understand adversity and they got through it which makes it so like you continually work hard through adversity like our age people think about all the people like that we know that have never been told no in their life mm-hmm. and like don't understand struggling for something. I mean, I'm not saying that I know adversity. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I mean, I like all, to think that I like know we, you, some we of do. it. Yeah, no, we do. There's always adversity in all of our lives. It's just how we interpret it. Yeah. And so some people haven't had this like struggle of working hard, even not money since I'm um, even school, even athletics, yeah. even things like that. Like when someone goes through that, that's how you mature and grow. That's exactly. like why our parents, I mean, that's how I, at least my interpretation of people that have really good work ethics went through hard times that yeah. enabled them to work hard. And then after that, you just start like steamrolling, you know, exactly. like you just a snowball. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was, uh, David Goggins, I was listening to his audiobook. Yeah. I talked to everyone about it all the time. It's called can't hurt me. And he's a former Navy SEAL and army ranger and he's an ultra marathon runner. And he would say that the entitled people that got things the, their entire lives, the moment, like, they're at this high level of life just cruising, and then the moment that they t- take one L, they'll move down, and they won't know how to recover, mm-hmm. so they just k- keep, keep taking down. L's until one day they realize, holy shit, like, I've, these past few years I've been taking a lot of L's, and then they start, slowly start that climb again. Then that's when they've grown and seen that, that uh, just, like, they persevered through a challenge and adversity, and it's hard if you're entitled and it's hard if like, I know there's certain times when I'm entitled and think that I can just do this because I grew up that it was just natural for me to do. And whenever I failed and like experienced those lows and persevered through that, like I feel so good and mm-hmm. so much better and it inspires me to struggle and, and, and work through those struggles. Seek discomfort. Yeah. Like that's literally all, all he does. Man, I, I don't like those yes theory guys. So seek discomfort right, dude, is a yeah, great slogan. It's, it's almost like imagine a graph of your happiness and determination, right? Yeah. And like people who are privileged, it's really high. Yeah. And then they start taking L's, it goes down. Down, yeah. And then once you get to adversity, it's going up. 
but mm-hmm. when an L, like when the, when something bad happens, it doesn't go down as much. Yeah, right. Yeah, so it's yeah. almost like a resistance exactly. to becoming sad, to becoming like hopeless. Mm-hmm. It's like adversity. The more and more you're you have adversity, like the less you'll be affected by these negative things. Not saying you'll be happy when something bad yeah. happens, but like you're not going to become like super depressed and like yeah. whatever. That's why my whole mantra of like two things that I pride myself of like really really trying to be is just being. A forever positive mm-hmm. and like eternally like passionate so yeah. that you can never accomplish things when you're negative no, i'm not saying no. i'm the best at working hard but like you have to be optimistic and look forward to for like, sure you know something's gonna get better something's gonna whatever mm-hmm. so like that is like such an important milestone to understand you know mm-hmm. like once you gone through some real garbage yeah. and then you realize like well it worked out you know i made it and now i'm stronger or whatever so like yeah exactly like with those two graphs you were saying like i don't know i was thinking like you could kind of compare it to like never working out like a day in your life and then the one time you run a mile your ass gets wrecked mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but then like you go back again it's a little bit easier and stuff but yeah so i guess like like you can physically like you can compare like struggles through that like and i think that's why i love to work out and just be like athletic because like it's like a way to stay rooted and be like in touch with your physical like self-awareness and just see like, like your limits yeah, you're talking. yeah exactly yeah. and like that's what david goggins like pushes in the entire book essentially and translating that to uh, mental like toughness and oh, callousing yeah. the mind i mean like exercising is like bar none like so good for your yeah. mental state it's like there's got to be thousands of studies that say that by now well i mean right? we're, yeah because we're like, like so taken away like we're so not primitive from and like we don't do shit compared to like oh i mean come on yeah like humans. in like 1066 man 90 percent of the world was farming or yeah. something you know like, like working labor every day using swords and shit to fight instead of yeah. trolling yeah. online <laughs> noob to me people yeah. <laughs> like holy shit like it's it's in our nature to to work there out, is so. a special like connection or you know mental touch with physical labor and activity that it's just so satisfying and like de-stressing. I don't know yeah. if it's because we're so not used to it. Like I'm sure if you asked a peasant a thousand years ago, they're like, man, this stinks. Yeah. So like this doesn't help me at all. But maybe it's from the detachment of of no, it such totally manual is. labor. It totally is. Cause like I was watching this these guys build a canoe out of a tree. And like That's they were using awesome. axes, That's and they were awesome. they were dressed in like colonial gear, and they're like, "Yo, this sucks, dick!" Like, like it was it looked like so like time consuming and so monotonous that I was like, I could never do that. Like, we are so dependent on technology that like just the monotony of just chopping wood is not normal, and mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. something that we worry about. We don't worry about chopping wood we don't we can just easily just raise a thermostat if we need fucking heat like our problems are way different and way more advanced and we have to reframe our mind to uh, understand where our anxieties are coming from because it's not as primitive as it was before and it sucks and it's hard but we're getting there i mean definitely a lot of like what they call like first world problems of like our anxiety and stuff coming from like our career and our success and that that but that that's a lot of like cultural pressure that oh, happens yeah, with like you know I need to succeed so I feel like I'm satisfied in life, mm-hmm. which is you know there's a lots of flaws and whole philosophy thing about that, but you know like the, today's society a lot, especially at Vanderbilt man you see people who 
cry and cry after they get like a if they don't get this job interview or one of Damn. their friends gets the job and they don't get the job Shit, like, dude. like people man it's like out for blood when <laughs> you should be supporting them yeah. like friendly and like exactly yeah jobs important and everything but it's not like the number one priority i think that yeah but that's what america makes it dude no but that's uh, that, i think that goes back to the whole generation thing where like to my dad the job is the most important thing yeah like no, family is important, yes, yeah. but like work his life, job, yeah, yeah. work life is like the most important. Yeah, thing. yeah. You know, like because he was raised and like he wanted to, you know, grow in like whatever to mm-hmm. provide for his kids. And yeah, and he did and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think that it's almost like parental pressure. Like people are doing like all these crazy, you know, feelings towards jobs because they feel like they won't like make their parents proud. Or yeah, something. no, for sure. So I imagine so. like. Imagine, like, our generation of kids, like, I feel like we'll be Holy way, shit. way more lax with, like, oh, you know, you want to go travel for a year? That, that's like, true, too, it. yeah. It has transitioned a little. Not, like, personally, but, but like, I'm sure, like, that's yeah. how, yeah. Like, imagine if we're, like, struggling to figure out how we're going to, like, beat our parents. Like, dude, I don't, I don't give a fuck what my kids are, like, I want them to be happy and that is it. Like, dude, you, you see a lot of, like, the... People in our parents' generations that don't that, that that did become wealthy, their kids are just like nobodies. Yeah, I'm not gonna say any names, obviously, yeah. but like, I, my dad, I've met people and told stories about the the ultra wealthy who had like went through the struggle of being poor all their life. Now that they totally make it and their kids don't need to work at all, that's like what they want to give them because that you know as a parent that's what you want. You want your kid to be happy. Yeah, like, better than what you grew up yeah. with. Yeah, but it's hard because you have to realize like sometimes they need to go through struggles to like grow and become a functioning adult or they're just going to be a man child their whole life you know yeah and spoiled yeah Yeah. i don't know but i mean like when you're like a billionaire does that really matter like what's the consequences of you being a man child your whole life and living off of your dad's money you're not going to run out of money external consequences of like people being destructive well people's perception of you Mm, mm. because of your children yeah Well, well even the children's they would deal with that shit too is like like, people would be like, you're not... Like, I remember there's a, a billionaire, like, vlogger. He was, like, 20-something. He's like, this is my life. And he was just, like, partying the whole time. And he got so much shit mm-hmm. for it. And, like, <laughs> like that definitely ended his vlogging days. Like, yeah. I don't see any news about him anymore. But, like, I don't know. Like, the thing is, it's, like, money... To, it, to a certain extent, when it gets you out of, like, poverty and, like, feeds you and gets you, like, necessities, I guess... Like, that's when money buys you happiness, but after, a, like, a threshold, like, it doesn't mean shit, honestly. It's uh, $250,000 a year. Like family. You hear that study? For... Where it's, like, a, it might be, like, a family of four or yeah. something. That the threshold of happiness. They did some extensive survey where they asked, like, it is subjective in the sense of, like, asking someone, how happy are yeah. you? One to ten. I mean, who knows that? Like, what the heck kind of question is that? Um, where they ask people of different income levels, and basically... A surprising just stop at $250,000, really? people's happiness were just like the same. Mm. If you made $2 million a year versus if you made $250,000 a year, there's like no difference. Because yeah. like what else does like doubling that income, what does it get you? Sure, maybe nicer and nicer things, but like you already have that. Yeah, exactly. You and know, the more like, – uh, there was a book I was reading and he was saying like – by the 50th country that he traveled to, like, it didn't mean shit because he's been to fucking 49 other yeah, countries. Yeah. So it's like, by that much money, it doesn't mean anything because you've had, all, like, a lot of money before. 
So like, I don't know. I think it's just being. It's like you get bored. Yeah, you literally just get bored. Being happy with where you're at, which is hard, because like, humans are always trying really to get more. stimulated yeah. and like do something. Like we were just bored. Like earlier this summer, like we were literally playing Minecraft like yeah. all night and still didn't really feel like fulfilled, and we we're like still trying to find stuff. But like, I don't know. It's weird, dude. Like it's weird how we have to always find something. That, like, mm-hmm. just, well, I think it's. I don't know what to say about other people, but a lot of my personal being bored is it's like I strive to try to improve and yeah. be productive in something. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad literally all the time would be like, you know, like go work out, like go read yeah. a book, do this, do yeah. something do productive, something, something yeah. productive. Like I was never allowed to sleep over at people's houses <laughs> yeah, because my dad in like third grade was like, you have homework to do. I'm like, what? <laughs> it's like work life balance when you're in third grade. It's like, yo, you need to hang out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, a lot about we don't we feel like we're just like we it's almost that you feel like your life isn't worth much when you're not doing anything if you like for a whole year if you just sat around and played video games for a year like how much worth do you think your life would have nothing because no one's gonna care about you after you like nothing you don't you didn't do anything from that life so it's like doing something productive Making things. That's like that's probably why we like doing yeah. manual labor because it's us getting something done, and us seeing doing that something. progress. And even this podcast is going to be something us creating something, yeah. us working towards something. Dude, it's exciting, yeah. Like you know, week by week. Maybe we even do it day by day when we're yeah. when we don't have time. You know, so it's like the process of of promoting your mental and physical being to being better than what you yeah, were the day. Yeah. Like when I wake up today, how am I going to make myself better? Yeah. Am I going to read a book? Am I going to work out? Am I going to make a podcast? Mm-hmm. You know, try to learn more. Blah, blah, blah. The whole Kaizen lifestyle. You heard about that? What? Kaizen lifestyle, I think is how you pronounce it. It's like a Japanese philosophy about everything you do in every single part of your life. You want to be the best that you can be. So if I go skiing, I'm going to be try to be the best skier yeah. I possibly can. I'm not going to take anything lax. It's uh-huh. like whenever I you know, play a video game, I'm going to try to be the best I can at that thing. See, I, I feel like we naturally... like. Like, some people do. Some people uh, no, don't. I mean, like, like I know, I feel like our like our g- group of friends are just c- naturally competitive, and like we're always gonna do shit that we can see a progression, and like we were just naturally good at things, and like from there we could I don't know take that more I don't know, but yeah, I completely agree with that lifestyle, and I feel like that's something that is like natural for us to do at least. I don't know. I'm not trying to fucking like shit on anyone else but mm-hmm. I, I don't know like just i don't know it's okay okay let me give you an example then what about i hate to bring up a sore point this class this ethics class yeah that just happened that mm-hmm. you've just failed this yeah. past semester do you think that in your looking back were you trying to be the best you could possibly be in that class or do you think you could have given more? oh this is actually a back? super interesting story that i would love to tell so yeah i, I was taking um ethics and this was a first writing intensive course and the only one that no i had i had to take two but this one was like first one in a while yeah mm-hmm. so and i'm like the way that the computer science professors like don't care give a fuck about how you write and so i was taking ethics and it's a writing intensive and um the first paper that we had to turn in um was over some reading and uh, my TA is the one that grades all the writing portions. And I went into his office hours afterwards just to like get uh, 
his opinion on it. And he was like, this was, you had the best paper out of all of it. And this is the first one. And, I'm, and once I had that like bar set for me, like I was like, fuck dude, like I have to go extra hard. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. like this is my demise. Cause like, I wish that he hadn't done, like told hadn't me that. Said that. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like at that point I was like, oh shit, I have to like, don't like be even better if like, I didn't have any experience. Like it was naturally like I was able to do that. And dude, like I would turn things in, in late because like I wanted it to be perfect and to be, to make my next paper better, like than the one before. And eventually like I, that was definitely like my most favorite class that I've ever taken, even though I, that was the only class I failed. That's such an interesting story. I know it is, yeah. but like I learned it, it, that class inspired me so much and I, I was able to like just, learn so much about myself, which is why I'm so happy to talk about a failure and like know that I can talk about it and learn from it. And, um, but like, it wasn't that like, I wasn't doing my best. It was, I was trying to be better than my best. You know what I mean? But there's also to a point of like understanding like deadlines and understanding. Yeah, Cause true. like, even if you're at your job, which is like, this yeah. is an admirable thing where like, man, boss, I'm trying to make this program the best. Like, we won't have any glitches, won't be any mm-hmm. lags. But if it's two months late, then, like, who cares? And yeah. There's, yeah. like, also, like, a setting of, of, like, limiting whatever the extensive yeah. amount of work. Dude, I was... It's almost, like, not settling in a sense, but almost, like, settling with what you what you can do within the deadline. Yeah. Because exactly. it's also a test of timing. You know, like, if you had 90 minutes to write a paper, but you wanted the first introduction to be, like, amazing, the best yeah. introduction That's you what know, I was someone doing, read, yeah. then, like then there's no point because you're not gonna have any essence content yeah that's literally what happened to me like it was it was like that am i able to like grow from it and understand like i love to write now and like it's something that i can use as a creative outlet but um i was also like protesting against like (laughs) the formal education i was like (laughs) fuck deadlines like i just want like i'm learning so much right now i had like like for don't let school get in your way of learning. Yeah, a, some poet said that. <laughs> dude, it's so true because I literally was watching like Mark Zuckerberg's uh, congressional. I remember you sent me dude, it, man. I was like deep in like all these like research papers. Dude, like TED Talks yeah, every day. Dude, oh my God. It was, I, I love that class because it just gave me like the tools to learn more. And I felt like that was all that mattered. But... Do you think that you'd, you've always been interested in those topics or this class just kind of tapped into something of like seeing it from a different way. Cause this is an ethics purely class, right? Or is this a computer science? It's engineering class? ethics. Okay. So but, like, were you always interested in this topic or did it just present you the information for you to like learn and be like, Oh man, I actually really like this. I think subconsciously I was interested in like philosophy. Um, I, it was like sophomore year and when I was like, dude, like what the fuck? Like why are, why are all these philosophers like popping up in my computer science class and computer science is literally based off of philosophy. And yeah. And it's like zero, true or false. That's essentially all it, all yeah, it is. Yeah. And so I like, I was like, I might as well like look into philosophy and I, and I liked it. And I hadn't done like a formal, like educational class of, like with philosophy tied into it um, until that class. And I guess it was just eye opening for me. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't like writing or philosophy. I, if you told me like I like like would have enjoyed like been passionate about that shit been like, Get the in heck high out school, of here. bro, I would have like roasted my ass so hard back then, <laughs> like just for being a nerd and like like I cared way too much about like 
what I was doing back in the day, and now I'm just trying to make myself happy. And that's like, an interesting point. Hold on, one one question about the story. So, what if when you went to the TA, and he told you that you had the worst paper in the class, or the middle best paper in the class, mm-hmm. or the second best paper in the class, because you said because he told me that. I had the best paper in the class. You tried to do like this extreme yeah. to make it better. Mm-hmm. What if he told you, you know, something different? Then, then I wouldn't be as like. So you tell me if he told you, you had the worst paper in the class, you wouldn't have acted the same way. You wouldn't have act tried to make it so much better by like a long shot. No, but I would have been more confident with turning my shit in because I would have been like, this shit's already better than my last oh, paper. Okay, you know what okay, I mean? Yeah. Like, he was a very fucking smart dude. Like I looked up to him a lot and. um Socially, he wasn't there, but like, I felt like I could relate to him a lot. I was like in our um, recitations, dude. I was the only one that talked, and there was a two-hour recitation, and I would just get so pissed off at everyone else. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this shit would go by way faster if you other people were talk. Talking. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to look like that teacher's pet, bro. Like, all the yeah, and I was that, and I was like, fuck y'all. Like, I it was it was th- from three to fr- three to five on a Friday. And dude, it was miserable, but like wow, that's a terrible time. Yeah, to have a class. but like, dude, I was just so annoyed. I'm like, can people just like talk? Those to Those are me? the worst. Yeah, like, it was annoying. No one does the readings, and you're like the only one. Yes, oh, man, dude, I've had those classes. Yeah, and I felt like a fucking teacher's pet, dude, the entire time. Mm-hmm. But then I would like talk to everyone outside of class and be like, oh shit, he's not like a nerd, like trying to like impress everyone. I'm like, no, dude, like I'm stupid, like yeah. I failed the class. I should have like went in and told all these people after. <laughs> the teachers They'd be so failed su- the class. surprised. Yeah. That's so funny. Oh my god, dude. Okay, question about what you brought up a little bit ago. What would you think? What would your freshman in high school, Anthony, think of eight years later or whatever, seven years later, newly graduated yeah. from college, almost still working? <laughs> Yeah, Anthony. Dude, like, I would be just so mind blown and so just like about what? About like where the fuck this person came from? Mm. Like, I did not give a fuck about education. Like, I was, like, I wasn't passionate about any of it at all. Like, it just didn't, like, it wasn't natural for me to do. So I just stuck to like sports and like hanging out with people and like video games and maybe freshman is too far back let's say like just graduated anthony from high school compared uh-huh. to just graduated of college anthony like what i would think of my how son. would your how would you how would your high school anthony think of your college anthony? oh i'd dude like super proud probably and just be like damn that's what i'm capable of like why didn't i do that before you know what mm-hmm. i mean like why where like where was this passion like, where was it? Like, would back you then? be surprised of how you are? Like, have you grown mentally about? Yes, a lot of different things. I mean, you've changed a lot since high school. Yeah, I just think like, like I didn't. I thought I was self aware, and like, um, I thought I was just. I thought I figured out life back then, but now it's just completely different. And I'm, what, I know in what for ways. In what ways? Almost. What. So, like, how did you think you had figured out life in high school? I guess just, like, socially and, like, figuring out relationships and I don't even know. Just, it's such a general thing, but just, like, oh, I guess how I interpret life. Because back then, I always thought that everyone believed in, like, the same, like, all Christians believed in 
Christ the same way they interpret mm-hmm. the Bible the same way. Oh, I way. thought that too. It's, almost, yeah. it's just being naive. Exactly. Though, at that point. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's what it was then. So like now I realize like everyone has different experiences, but we're all homo sapiens and like we're all like potentially going through similar things, but like, you can learn from other people and like learn from yourself like a lot, like at, like every second of the, of the day and like, there are times when you think you can be bored, but like you can stimulate yourself by learning like, like basic ass things, like fundamentals mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, and learn from that. Like, like I remember in my internship, dude, I was, there were times where I easily could have been bored just in these meetings, like not learning shit and not knowing what the fuck they were talking about. Yeah. But I was just learning like how my manager was being a great manager, how it, like he was communicating with um, the subordinates and just how like everyone was just communicating with each other mm-hmm. on like a like general base basic level and like you can just turn like the simplest things into entertainment and, and learning and I didn't realize that okay so then what would you what would you say about yourself exactly one year ago because I one year ago was a turmoil time oh okay a lot was going on yeah so a, y- a year ago was Oh, Think shit. about now. How... I was at the internship. Yeah, yeah. You're, and you're I remember in... calling Daniel one time. I was going to work out. And I'm like, fuck, dude. I haven't felt this level of sadness before. And, like, I don't know. I remember you. Yeah, I remember you calling me. Yeah. Because, like, I knew that I had to work. Like, if I were to work out, it would help me. But then I'd been working out and it before. And, like, I didn't feel, like, that same satisfaction. Mm-hmm. And I called Daniel. I was like, dude, like, I just feel like crying or I'm pretty sure I cried like on the phone and, but it wasn't like hard. It was just like, fuck. It was like, it was just, it was just it coming was like out. Overwhelming. Like just like when your, your, your emotions were coming out and yeah. so your body was just released. Yeah. Just and like, like, you just like started crying. Exactly. Daniel was like the only person that I, I guess I brought like those thoughts externally. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was like very aware of it. I'm like, shit, dude, I'm like talking like Daniel about all this. Like, and I haven't even seen him in like, it's like, kind of like a shock when you have yeah, to like exactly. come out with someone something like that to like your friends where mm-hmm. it's like oh man this is real now yeah because someone yeah. else knows about it yeah exactly but so, that helped the turning point though oh yeah for sure like i we for sure got closer after that i learned like before like i wouldn't have thought that like i would be ever def- uh, affected by like anxiety and depression and like i would have always like back in high school if you told me that that's something that I was going through. Like I would have been like, stop being like a little bitch and like just like deal with it. Like, oh, I mean, I mean, I still thought similar that like I didn't really understand that, like that whole world of what emotions like anxiety yeah. and depression like that before. Dude, it was yeah. Like I would never believe it, believe in it, uh, unless I had experienced it. And like now, I'm so happy and I feel so different than I was before. And like I now I know what to do to like make myself happy and like restructure my mind and way of thinking and something that I have to work on every day. But holy shit, dude, like that was a year ago. That was a different ass. So for context for just to understand, Anthony was going through a tough breakup Mm -hmm. that struggling with, you know, just like some mental things. But now do you think that the big turning point that past summer was externally kind of verifying that like i went through this this was real i was depressed Mm -hmm. and that's when the climb up started happening or what what was like this point of when like you started going up instead of going down it was i was reading the subtle art of not giving a fuck 
Hey, mom. Guess what? He can eat now. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. There we go. <laughs> okay. Thank you. What are you guys doing? Playing a game? No, we're doing a podcast. Just talking. Oh. Recording on our phone. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> just, just life. Life. To who? In high school. Ourselves, mm-hmm. honestly. When you put on. Who's going to listen to it? We're saying it to our friends. They want to hear it. Don't put your names. Why? <laughs> Okay, I won't see my name. Daniel Letter. <laughs> that was my mom, ladies and gentlemen. Bringing us some red vines. <laughs> oh, that was, and this was like the deepest part of the conversation. I know, like right when you say the F bomb, my mom looks <laughs> in. Oh, this is great though. This is a nice podcast. How long um, have we been going? I don't know. Oh man, we were in there. Bro. Yeah, that was, dude, that was fast. What was, what was the turning point though, you say? So it was essentially when I was reading that book, Settle Art, I'm Not Giving a Fuck, mm-hmm. and there were, I'm not going to say Was it. this before the, before the call, after the call? Oh, this was well after, like, my fall semester was terrible too. The senior year? You didn't know that? I thought you said you were having fun. Nah. Like, you started going out and stuff. Yeah, to like drink my problem. Dude, I would drink way too much. So, but were you still on the up or you weren't on the down no, I was, still? No, I was just like plateauing at the down and that was like really? suicidal down. I'm trying to remember when. It was, it was from up until December 2018. For sure. I don't even remember first semester. What did we do? We, we hung out Christmas break, right? We hung out once and I like, I think that was the first time... Was that the first time I told you that I had suicidal thoughts or no? No, you told me that on the call. Even was it before that or you told me last summer? That was the first time. Maybe before that, I don't remember. Cause you broke up with Reese last. Oh no! It was it was we were at Tyler's house, uh, like right oh, around summer. Yes. Remember? Was that in the summer? Yeah, and like, but that, that- was the lowest low, right? That was the start of it. <laughs> so that wasn't even the lowest. That was just no. like you had been going through it and you were just telling us. Yeah. That was the that start was of it. like, because I remember you went to talk to Reese that day. Yeah. Yeah. That was the start of it, dude. Because that was the first time that Reese like called me out. Like, are you suicidal? Mm. And that was like the first time I was externalized and like, oof. Yeah. So then I'm trying to remember. Because we talked a lot first semester still, didn't we? Or did we Senior? start talking this semester? This semester. Was it, it was this semester. Yeah, dude, it was. Okay. So this semester, I was the happiest I've been in, like, yeah. years. We started talking a lot this semester. Yeah. yeah. What, dude, we what talked was a happening lot. first semester? I thought we talked a little bit first semester. No. I was just, um, like, I, I was only playing, I was playing Black Ops 4 with Matt, and that's all I did. And I would eat, like, one meal a day and mm, not work out. Mm. And then that's when I like was like, yo, I'm getting out of this. And spring semester was the best semester of my life. Tell me about that then. Um, let's end, let's end on an up note. Okay. What was okay. like? Uh, <laughs> tell me about this past spring semester. So, so I read that book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, and there were things that happened that December that I won't like really talk like. I think Daniel knows, but stuff happened. Yeah. And I got over it. I was like, I, I don't care. Like, I don't, that's not a part of my life anymore. So, um, 
yeah, so we go into the uh, next semester and I'm just like, I know, I, I'm taking 18 hours and I can't fail because I'm going to be working and I still failed, but like, I still got my life on track. <laughs> hey, it, it, it all worked out. I'm still here. That's all that matters. Anthony had to re-interview for his job once they found out that he had failed the class. Uh, but so yeah, I was like, I right, have to stay on track and, and I'm good. And be like, just like just self love. Like that's when I started boxing, and then um, eating a lot more, and just having a schedule, and sleeping, and like realize like there's three things that I know I need. It's for sure working out because working out helps me eat, and then after I eat, I get tired. So just like a linear like three step path to mm -hmm. be happy essentially. But what what about last semester though? Like. What, okay, I'll ask you a more direct question. What was like your top memory of this last semester? Of when you felt like one of those times where you just like kind of pause and you're like, man, I'm really happy right now. It was like, just, this is awesome. Just being and hearing like. Was it skateboarding? Was it hanging with friends? No, talking to girls? It, it just talking like, to friends because like everyone that I talked to, or just no, just talking to people in general. Because people were just like, yo, like, if. Felt like a flip switch, you know. What oh, I mean? it's people noticing you improving. Yes, that's what felt good. Yeah, because you're like, oh, this is real. Then, like, yeah, this is actually improving. Like, my best friends, like that I've had from, uh, and M, they, I knew them, yeah, through, since freshman year, but I hadn't opened up to them until this past semester, and I, I get get annoyed with it, like about it, like all the time, the fact that. Now is when I'm open, but I'm still glad that I'm, I was able to open up with them like in school still. Um, and like, even though like I did get a lot happier this past semester, like it was still like a struggle and mm -hmm. like I was still working towards everything. And I know, and this past semester is when I called the suicide hotline for the first time, but I did it for a, more of the experience and like, I didn't need to do it. It's just like, I wanted to do it because like what happens if it wasn't like it was an actual emergency and like I was on hold for like ten minutes. I was like, holy shit, dude, That's this, bad. dude, yeah, they I was, need to get was that scary. Fixed. So, but yeah, like that was the fastest thirty minutes I've ever had on the phone. And the woman was so she was like, "You're just hard on yourself." I'm like, "Shit, dude, like how'd you figure that out <laughs> like right now?" <laughs> but yeah, like I don't know. It was just like the best part of last semester was just being here and present and just knowing that I easily could not have been here and like if I hadn't worked towards like I never really believed in like new year's resolutions but like I guess a new year just gives you a different like point of view and it almost feels like a new start yeah like, yeah and, see, I can change. and it's not physical it's just like mental but like yeah I don't know yeah so would you go back and do college with your experience being different of maybe having like this struggle that you went through with depression happened within like the first year of college. So you could have enjoyed more of college. Oh yeah, like, for sure. You know, like, but you... then again, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm happy that I like, what was your mentality for the first two years of college? Cause those two years for me is like, I don't know anything about like what you did or how you're thinking. Oh, so I was just obsessed with getting an inner or an internship, which I did. And where'd you have an internship person? Charles Schwab. You I, did both uh, after no, after after my two years. So before those two years, I was just doing research. Like I was very much work oriented. I didn't have any fun, mm -hmm. and I was just 
I mean, I was. Just, when did that change, though? Because you said that your senior year of high school, Anthony, didn't value you, like, wasn't really. Oh, into, um, like, for sure, you know, Dr. Masoma, my management class, he was on Ellen and stuff, and, like, like, I, that class changed my life in terms of, like, le- like, constant learning. He would always be like, yeah, you'll graduate, but that doesn't mean, like, you, can, you need to stop learning. And this was mm-hmm. before, like, my internship. And throughout my internship, they were like, yeah, you keep learning and everything. But, like, he was, he still is, like, because he, he, I was in his class, like, right when I broke up with my ex. and like. Oh, was, so this is junior year? Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Oh, actually, but biology, dude, changed my life, too, because that's... Like, at the start of, <laughs> like, I don't know, dude. Like, just college in general. Like, yeah. I was just more receptive, I guess. Honestly, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. Man, college does sure change you. Yeah. It man, does. I think the first, man, the first semester of college, uh, my personality just changed completely. Yeah. Totally different. I, I, mean, I remember we have a picture, freshman year. Christmas party at Jacqueline's house uh-huh. and we're both we're taking a picture together and I really? could just see from the difference of uh pictures we took in high school to that picture how much that I had changed really? as a person how I was standing how I was dressed <laughs> your just demeanor was, my demeanor yeah. just totally different than That's the crazy. innocent little boy that yeah. I was the protected <laughs> sheltered little boy whatever that I was in high school <laughs> completely completely different I mean, I, I think the change was mostly positive. Mm-hmm. It, it let me grow into, like, as an individual, which is great. I mean, some bad habits came from that. But, yeah. you know, like, oh, man. I, if I had lived my whole life, like, how I acted as, like, a, in high school, <laughs> which I see in some people that we know. Man, really? Oof, I, yeah, it would be a struggle. Oh, uh, wait. Okay. I don't know how to think about it. But, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say names. Yeah, no, no, no. There's definitely some people that you know that you see that haven't kind of outgrown the high school personality. It's not that oh, they okay. want to live in high school, yeah. but the Gro- things just that showing grown, like showing growth, growth and yeah. showing like the things that people talk about, the things that people like doing, the things that people think are important, the yeah. things that like I how see. people present themselves to mm, other people. Like okay, okay. some people we know the way that they present themselves is like, very obviously kind of childish braggy showing off okay. like kind of like in this young whatever yeah. high school mentality quote unquote yeah you know and that is not the mentality to grow up in yeah or like especially with school and learning and career and not be like a aware lot of, of people and yeah. money it's like growing up from being a kid <laughs> looking at money to being an adult understanding money <laughs> huge changes <sighs> I mean, we know some people that will buy anything with daddy's <laughs> card if they wanted to, but like, uh, okay. it's not life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got the house phone ringing. Hey. Is this is our first caller in, ladies? And <laughs> <laughs> I wonder who it is. Um, do you, do you, do you want to keep going or what? What's how much time do we have? Probably. Like- more than an hour. An hour. Do you want to just pause it here? Yeah, Sign just off. Yeah. Just be like, all right. Thanks for listening, whoever <laughs> does listen to this. All right. Each other. Thank you, Daniel. Yeah. Daniel, Anthony, if you're listening to this, Anthony, make sure you future. get some sleep. Yeah. Don't stay up late. Sheridan, if you're listening to this, shout out Sheridan. My girlfriend is being super embarrassing and didn't want to call in. So, all right. Shout out and whoever else listens to this. All right. Cool beans. <laughs>